Hey there, perfect peeps. Have you ever wanted to come on to a podcast and talk about what you've been working on? Or do you have a product to show off? We would love to have you on perfect.dev. Please reach out. You can find us on codingcat.dev or just reach out to me personally, alex at codingcat.dev. Come say hello. Don't be afraid. We'd love to have you on. Thanks so much. Welcome back, perfect peeps, to perfect.dev. Today on the podcast, we have Sam Bogwat. It's, it's great to meet you, uh, Alex and, and Brittany. Super excited to be here and to, to chat with you guys. Yeah. Nice meeting, Sam. I know um, we're, we're kind of pre-recording this, but you just got done with Gatsby Conf. And how did that go? Was it was it everything you expected for, uh, you know, being virtual and all that? It was pretty exciting. I mean, we had a, we had 10,000, excuse me, 11,000 folks wow. come, uh, which is, I mean, it, we're just like really kind of humbled by that. <laughs> um, we had a, I mean, yeah, we had a ton of cool product launches. Um, you know, I can talk about some of them now or, you know, maybe kind of as we get into the podcast, but the the new Gatsby image launched. Um, uh, we had a e-commerce, um, a lot of new e-commerce functionality with the new Gatsby uh, Shopify integration. Um, we announced some things that have kind of, we launched them, you know, a month or two ago, but sort yeah. of like highlighting them. Some of the new the WordPress um, 4.0 uh, source plugin and WP GraphQL um, 1.0. Uh, and then, of course, Gatsby Cloud Hosting um, and V3 of Gatsby. Um, so just a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So what I, what I probably skipped on, uh, I should have should have done this up front, but um, Sam, Sam is actually the co-founder and chief strategy officer at Gatsby. Um, has that role changed over the years? I know it was kind of just two or three of you at the beginning. And was, yeah. was there a shift going to like that strategy officer position? Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of a little bit of background as to like how Gatsby, um, you know, started both as an open source project and as a company. Um, so Kyle Matthews, my co-founder, um, uh, started Gatsby um, as an open source project just to kind of build a website back in uh, 2015. Um, and then sort of over time, um, over time, uh, you know, folks got, uh, 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 folks started contributing to it. Um, it kind of started taking off. We incorporated it as a company um, in 2017, raised some funding, um, sort of brought on a team. Uh, and then, you know, kind of as, as the company has grown and now we're just a little bit north of 50 folks. Um, wow. It, it, um, it, you know, things we, we, we've kind of matured a lot as an organization. Um, so now, um, and, and so kind of as part of that, I've, I've moved into, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a, you know, interesting title. Right. Um, but, but what it basically means is that like, I'm kind of helping folks who are sort of like doing kind of the most advanced use cases with Gatsby, um, um, be successful, figure out kind of what the set of problems they're facing are and, uh, help, help kind of overcome them. Um, yeah, that's 50 full-time wow. individuals. Um, and then wow. we've, you know, a thousand folks contributed to Gatsby in in the last year. Um, so uh, it's, the community is just obviously incredible. Nice. Um, not to, not to like get too far into the history books here, but did this all start off like somebody's garage with an idea or like, where did Gatsby actually come from? Yeah. So um Kyle was working on a on actually another startup at the time and, and he needed a website um, and he wanted to build it with React. This is 2015, right? So React has just come out from Facebook. Yeah. But like, mm -hmm. you know, sort of the core, this kind of like core group of folks is like super excited about 
declarative, you know, uh, d- declarative UIs. And, and, and Kyle's like, okay, cool. Like, let me build it. Let me build something, you know, something like Jekyll, right. Or something like right. a, you know, another static site generator, but with yeah, react. Yeah. And so, um, he didn't just kind of build the website, but he built the framework, then used the website to kind of build the framework, open sourced it. Um, and, and I mean, you know, there's as kind of react has just emerged as the way to develop, um, there's been a huge, uh, you know, kind of surge of excitement uh, around that, yeah. uh, around Gatsby, you know, to the point where in, in 2017, we were, this was kind of right after the 1.0 uh, launch. Um, there's a sort of huge, there, we saw sort of folks starting to build um, plugins in the community, um, a huge kind of surge of usage. And, and we kind of, uh, Kyle and I were, um, uh, Kyle and I are best friends. It was like super close. Um, and we just kind of looked at each other and, and we're like, well, should this be a company now? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, the best and, way uh, it can be. And, uh, sort of, it was like, I mean, it, it was really kind of, we, we, we saw, right. Like, I think we, we saw that a little bit of kind of the increased usage over time, you see an exponential curve growing and you're like, aha, like, you know, it's going to kind of keep growing and react to, people are going to want to build sort of modern web experiences with react. And to do that, they're going to need not just a great sort of open source tool, but they're going to need, um, they're going to need kind of a lot of additional investment, both, you know, solid integrations um, with, with all the various other systems they're using. Um, and they're going to need kind of like hosted kind of cloud services around that um, to to kind of hook all these things together. And, and you, you kind of realize you're like, well, OK, like that's more than like, a, you know, an open source project can typically provide. Um, right. Let's build a company around that, both to foster and grow, to grow the open source community, as well as to kind of provide the services um, that can help. Thing. Other than Sorry. Jekyll, wasn't Gatsby one of the first ones that really focused on that static generation, almost like J- Jamstack, like being the beginning of kind of where Jamstack started? Yeah, so it's super interesting. I think if you look at the history of like static site generators, right? I mean, even if you go back to like 2005 and movable type, and you know, there was kind of a head-to-head WordPress versus movable type back in you know 2004. You, you know, this is like way back, and yeah. and the, but like. For a long time, like static site generators were kind of this niche and, and you know, this niche uh, developer tool. Um, it was great for developer blogs and personal sites, maybe like documentation sites, um, but uh, they sort of lacked the ability to add interactivity um, in an easy way. And so anyone that was kind of building something you know, more complex would turn to WordPress or would turn to maybe doing something custom. Uh, and, and then, you know, but starting like, you know, to, to the point, like the whole kind of Jamstack movement, right, right in, it started to change that, you know, circa 20, 2016, 2017. Um, and, and, and not to get sort of too much into the weeds, I kind of love talking about this stuff, but I, I think Jamstack is kind of an interesting term. It's, it's come to encapsulate a lot of things that um, a, a lot of different kind of things. Right. But I think if you break it down, there's kind of three fundamental pieces of it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's the actual like deployment framework, um, which is, you know, kind of, Hey, let's serve files on the edge. There's the modern development experience. Um, so that's, you know, react and view. Um, and then there's kind of the, the content paradigm, which is like headless CMSs um, and, and the APIification of sort of the CMS being able to extract content out of it. And that's folks like, you know, Contentful and, 
and so on. And so really like the Jamstack, like you kind of need all three of these pieces to make a, um, to make a sort of a, a, a website that's like a, a homepage of a company, right? Like where you have content editors, where you need, you have like developers and you kind of, you know, you're prioritizing users with performance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. for sure. And which leads into the the title, which I bury in almost every podcast <laughs> at this point, but we're talking about content mesh. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty decent segue back into it. Um, I want to pop up because I'm super visual. So um, there's there's people that listen to only audio. So I try to do my best here, but I'm going to pop up a, kind of a image that you have in your blog post about content mesh. So what, what this is kind of outlining is exactly, or mostly what, what you're talking through just now, um, having kind of that traditional full stack CMS, whether it's WordPress or AEM or something like that. Um, but then off to the side, it's kind of this newer uh, modular based headless CMS architecture um, where you have just exactly what you're talking about um, with Contentful or WordPress or Sanity IO or you name it. There's a million CMSs out there these days. Um, but there's also kind of that build pipeline and images and like authentication. And that's where everything starts to really get glued together. And do you see like that's where Gatsby is? Gatsby as the company um, is the best fit these days? Um, I think kind of both, um, but this is a great sort of jumping off point, right? Um, you know, can kind of continuing a little bit of that sort of the, the history, right? Um, and in uh, there is a sense in which for every technology that kind of takes off, you have that question like, why now? What was the moment, right? That that caused that sort of like a. a uh, up into the right adoption curve. And, you know, with what was it in 2016 and, and 2017 that the Jamstack suddenly, you know, even though it been like kind of used the same kind of technologies had been used for, you know, nine, 10 years, what, what was that sort of the, the moment? And, and I think that's actually where the, the content mesh um, comes in and this idea of the, the content mesh. So, so Sam, we were, we were kind of talking through like that content mesh and I, I brought up that, that graph a little bit there. Um, like the question always is, where did that emergence come from? Like, why now? What, what are the tools that made this possible finally and, and kind of led Gatsby on the road it's on? Yeah, so I think it's a lot of things, right? The, the, the content mesh, the modern web um, is a lot of things. If you look at like, so let's like talk about or like look at what a CMS is, um, right? So what a CMS kind of traditionally has been is it's been um, a, a sort of a system that enables you to build a website by combining a lot of different functionality. Um, the ability to sort of create and edit structured content um, and then save that content somewhere, uh, a development framework, um, various kind of tools like analytics, uh, search, A-B testing, um, to, you know, to name a few forms, functions, uh, uh, and, and e-commerce if you need that. Um, and, and, and sort of like the, there's a long tail of, of functionality after that. Yeah. But um when you when you had each of those kind of pieces, um, we, we kind of saw in uh, a, a 
a technology uh, vendor emerge. Um, for example, Algolia um, for search, maybe that's Stripe for payments, maybe it's Optimizely for A-B testing. Maybe, and suddenly um, you're able to kind of glue all those pieces together um, with the emergence of React as a, a modern kind of like yeah. development framework. And, and so suddenly, like if you if you then have all these pieces together with kind of Gatsby uh, gluing them together, like what is that website? I mean, it's not a typical kind of like CMS, you know, WordPress website where you're like living in an ecosystem and taking right. kind of things out of that ecosystem. And content mesh was sort of the term that we uh, we kind of coined to describe stitching together all that various functionality to really create. A modern develop a modern experience for users. Um, so bringing all those like little headless pieces and just bringing them together to build the site out. Exactly. You can think about headless as a way of describing the individual sort of components of that, and the content mesh to describe uh, the system as a whole. I, I think the interesting part there, and what it allows you to do, like you've named some big players in this space, right? It it's basically said, okay, best of breed, you can now use for your website, and you can pick and choose what that means to you. Like, if if yeah. you're more of a video based and you want to go down the Wistia route, or mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe maybe you're all just video focused, but you don't need the commercial side to it. Now you're into yeah. like mocks. You know, it, it lets you. It lends to that that unique site um, and what capabilities that that site needs and requires. And you can go pick the best parts of all these different APIs and, and headless pieces and start to use them together. I think something that, that you talked about there um, that, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit, when we talk about CMSs and like uh, the WordPresses of the world where they're completely uh, combined together, um, when we take and look at this content mesh, I feel like there's still like a piece missing uh, as we go through it. So I start to look at tools or maybe it's not even a, a tool, but uh, things like Stackbit where they're starting to layer these items together. So like they take those best of breed and they, they say, okay, you got Gatsby, you need some static sites, you need this, you need that. And that starts to put all those together and say, okay, we'll, we'll take care of like deploying and, and putting all those uh, things together for you and give you a browser that you can do all of your code editing with. Right. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're almost starting to turn that corner even further where it's, you know, you're taking all these best of breed pieces, but you're not stuck in like a WordPress only solution. You can still pop in other items to it. Is that fair to say we're headed down that path with the content mesh? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of really exciting possibilities down that road. Right. And typically the the types of sites that modern tooling gets used for, for in, in the website world, right. These tend to be custom sites. Um, so, like you've got a development team or, you know, maybe one developer and like their job is to kind of like work on the website. Um, and that, that implies that you kind of have a certain budget. Um, and, and I think what, you know, what some of the, um, what some of folks are trying to do is they're trying to say like, okay, like let's take all these tools, but let's, you know, bring them to the site builder world. Mm-hmm. Um, something like Squarespace or Wix or, you know, what, what Webflow is trying to do now, which is a different kind of part of the, you know, the market, right? Um, the, the, the sort of the interesting kind of questions uh, around, you know, around that is like, what degree of customizability do you need 
um, you know, how much sort of like the, the wissy wig, the, the kind of the wissy wig editor, um, is nice as, as well. Like, I think that's, we actually see kind of, you know, we actually see the emergence of folks using their CMS as a kind of WYSIWYG editor. With yeah. So you, you integrate your uh, component library um, with uh, Contentful and, and Gatsby and, and suddenly you're uh, suddenly now you're able to like have your marketing folks in your CMS and their, uh, yeah, like the images and stuff like that. So they'll take like blocks and place them into kind of that WYSIWYG flow. And like exactly. when you need a, a hero exactly. call out or something like that, that's how they're they're kind of dealing with that, right? Um, exactly. I, I think that the interesting piece that you you talk about there, um, and, and again, it, it's all kind of going back to your article, which, uh, by the way, folks, this article is from what, 2018, 2000, 2018, Sam wrote this thing. Um, and I feel like it's it's even more true today than it was three years ago, almost. Thank you. Um, two and a half, something like that. So it, you were predicting the future. I think Swix Swix said it the other day on a podcast. He's he's starting to write the start of the the history or, or something like that. And I feel <laughs> like that's that's what you've done. It's come to fruition, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> One thing that I'm I'm bringing up on the video for those of you listening, um, there's kind of this Venn diagram and Sam was kind of talking to different pieces around this. Um, And he has, he has spelled out here, content management, development techniques and performance. And then the, the Venn diagram has modern tools, headless CMS and website performance. um, And kind of where the content mesh comes into play as I scroll further down. I I love, I love uh, visuals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So as we come into that play in the modern tooling, um, Sam's placed like react and angular into those frameworks and and views kind of in there as well. But uh, the headless CMS is out the other side for your content creators. So this is for like your marketing team or your small mom and pops. And then off to the right side, um, it's got that website performance and that's for the end result for the, for the site visitor actually coming in. And we've talked through some of the vendors, uh, Amazon S3, Nellify, Fastly, um, which we, we can talk about in a minute, kind of what's going on with, with Fastly and, and Gatsby 3.0. Um, but in the very middle of that Venn diagram is essentially Gatsby. It, it's gluing all of this mm-hmm. tooling and CMS or the, the content piece to this along with making the web fast, right? And I think that's one of the biggest goals that, has, has come out of this. And when we talk about Gatsby or Next.js um, as the tooling of the web for the future, it's all of this combined that is making it so powerful. Is that, is that kind of summing up this article? Yeah, that's, that's a great summary. Thank you. I'm, uh, you know, uh, you're summarizing it better than, uh, than, I, than I could maybe, um, you know, there, so, so two things I think to kind of specifically call out and highlight. One, you know, websites have a ton of different folks that are involved, right? And and this kind of breaks down that by category. Um, you've got content creators and, and marketers, you've got developers, and you've got users. And each there, each category is kind of t- designed to optimize the experience yeah. um, of that um, uh, of that particular uh, persona. Um, the, the performance uh, performance for users, uh, modern development framework for developers, and headless CMS for 
for content creators. And then second, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the intersection of those three is the answer to the question of why, you know, Gatsby and Next and Nuxt kind of have, have taken off in, in terms of Jamstack uh, frameworks where, you know, things like Hugo and, and Jekyll kind of, if you look at usage, I mean, there are still folks using them, but in fact, a lot of those folks have actually moved over to, um, yeah. uh, to one of these kind of three, um, I feel like there's like a, a story in there for, for the DX side, right? The developer experience for those tools is why you see people moving away from a Jekyll or a Hugo, yeah. even though they're amazingly fast. Like I used to run exactly. my on Hugo. It's phenomenal. Jekyll, yeah. I don't want to touch because of the language, but yeah. um, is, do you have any like statistics or knowledge of um, kind of like GitHub was or is still using Jekyll? Is that probably the largest place that's still utilized? Um, I don't have a particular a, a ton of uh, information on particular people using it. Um, the HTTP archive um, recently published a report um, on um, usage of, of Jamstack among okay. different um, technologies, uh, and they kind of highlighted um, some of the the usage trends. I, I I don't have that sort of I don't have the numbers off the top of uh, off the top of my head, but that's a great place to go um, for looking at sort of how how different sort of pieces of the Jamstack have, have performed over time, as well as they have some really kind of interesting um, insights um, into the the kind of the various characteristics of websites on, on each framework, actually. Um, Very so, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like both of you have touched on pieces of what, what makes the Jamstack so great and why people are migrating more towards it is it works good for developer experience, user experience, and for those like marketing teams and other people that are using the content side of it. It pulls all three of those together and improves the performance for everyone. Everybody has a better experience. So it's just, it's really good. And then pulling all those together like Gatsby and all the frameworks that we're seeing out there now are just holding that glue together. But that's why people are migrating more towards it, I think. It's just because everybody's getting a better user experience from it. Yeah, I, I think I, I quickly did a search here just for the thank. Thank you for buying me a little bit of time there, Brittany. Um, <laughs> for the HTTP archive side of this, uh, it looks like adoption of of Jamstack, and uh, I, I think this is probably the article that Sam yeah, might have Um And it just has this Jamstack framework breakdown. So as you can see, um, it's interesting. Gatsby is is a lower sliver of that than I would have expected. So that would be an interesting. Is that next? The note, the note that they make on uh, the the note that they make on that report is that there is next sites that are both sort of um, static, and uh, there's next sites that are no, that are express apps, and they don't have a clear way of telling which ones are which. So there are some kind of like actually non-gem stack sites that get included in that, which you know. Okay, I'll, I'll put okay. this in the uh, the the details on the the blog for the podcast. Yeah, the other the other interest and the other interesting thing is that they have um, some HTTP archive data on like performance and SEO for different um, for different frameworks on that. Um, so that was actually we were really excited to see that um, sort of of Gatsby next to Nuxt. You, you kind of saw Gatsby's uh, site, the site performance of sites on Gatsby uh, was I believe like ten or fifteen uh, kind of points um, up there. I mean, I think you know, I, I, but like what I think is like there's like a community, right? And like all of us are kind of like 
encouraging each other as frameworks to kind of like adopt best practices. Yeah. We've yeah. all learned a lot from each other. Um, and we're all kind of like devoted to pushing the web forward together, um, which is really, I mean, it's, it's, it's like exciting to see this kind of renaissance of, of web development happening. It is too. And there's been like a migration to next a little bit because of that server and static side generation where you get the option. Is Gatsby always going to be static first? Or is there like something in the future or is next like driving you to wanting to do something with server rendering? I mean, I would say that, like, I would say that when they launched, when Next launched uh, incremental uh, static regeneration, that was clearly, like, very popular. Um, so that's something that we're watching closely. Um, uh, you know, Kyle's been thinking about it a little bit, but, it, um, you know, it would certainly be, um, it would certainly be, uh, uh, you know, it'd certainly be a lot of architectural work. So it's something that we're considering, um, uh, you know, stay tuned, I would say, on that front over the next year or so. Cool. I haven't I haven't actually um, done anything with Gatsby 3.0 um, and I haven't touched Gatsby probably in a good year just because we've been so focused on writing everything with Next.js. And um, the discussion always comes up because for me, it was, you know, in my head, uh, as simple as it can be sometimes like it. Gatsby for me is a static site generator, right? And I, I know there's more to it now and and especially with the newer announcements. But the reason we went to next was that capability to switch um, any page we wanted to from static to server side uh, rendered. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting to to watch the two kind of play off each other and, and play catch up a little bit on features. Um, but I think with all of that said, I, I think you're absolutely right. You're you're making each other better and you're making the web better as a whole. Um, something that I wanted to, to kind of bring back up, you mentioned uh, the community aspect, though. I feel like I don't know how you guys did it or who was in charge, but the community around Gatsby is That's amazing. Incredible, yeah. And it, just huge props to that. I mean, I know, like, I was... Pretty like I've used GitHub over the years for sure, but like to get into an open source project, uh, Gatsby made that so incredibly easy to like do my first PR, get it accepted, you know, get a free pair of socks. Like that whole deal was just the best developer experience I've ever had for like putting an issue in and like actually getting it accepted. Unbelievable. That's awesome. That's yeah. We, I mean, we, we, we love the community, right? Um, we, um, we, we, from pretty early on, um, it, it was, it was funny, like, uh, Kyle and I were, were chatting kind of like a, a day after the, um, a day after the 1.0 launch and his, his kind of comment, um, is, is really stuck with me. He's like, I feel like I've kind of moved from, you know, this is way back in 17. He's like, I feel like I've become like a, a tech lead, right? Like, I feel like I've just, it's just this sort of like huge wave of folks who like want to like, who want to like build plugins and they want to, you know, kind of add functionality to Gatsby. And it's like, they're like, I think starting, right. Like, like starting then there was just a people, like people, people building their, personal sites would open source functionality and then they would like want to contribute issues. They'd want to improve the docs. Um, and we just sort of saw that and wanted to say like, thank you for being here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank or um, thank you for contributing to something that everybody is using. Um, thank you for making open source better um, because um, you know, you, you, because open source is the, you know, open source is a shared resource. And when we, when we, if we can like, 
invest in a shared resource, um, like, you know, public, like, like roads or, um, you know, good sort of like, uh, government services, right? That helps all of us. Um, and open source in the same way, right? If we have great kind of frameworks that we can use, um, that means that we have to do less as kind of developers. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just use these great tools that other folks are using. And so we wanted to make it as easy for folks uh, as possible to kind of give back and kind of build some excitement and enthusiasm around that. It helps set Gatsby apart too. The plugin system was one of the things that just really like made Gatsby explode. I feel like the plugin system and Gatsby image both just set the groundwork for that to go to the roof. It was like, so the, the, one of the like amazing parts about the plugin system and, you know, there right now to give kind of a little bit of context, um, there's about, uh, there's north of 2,500 plugins um, and plugins can, you know, do anything from integrating Gatsby to a, a CMS or data source um, to um, adding kind of like uh, various kinds of functionality, like a, a site map um, to your site or an RSS feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, 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 you know, can, you can sort of auto link um, your headers uh, so that you don't have to sort of man- if it's when you're writing Markdown, for example, yeah. um, and you don't have to sort of manually write that. You just kind of drop in the plugin, and then it, the it does and it's really nice. And I feel like the starters do that too. Gatsby starters, where if you want to yeah. grab something specific, you can just go find a starter that's already got it included and pull it down. And and the, the I mean, co- super similar with the starters, and and I mean, I think starters are cool in their own way because. Um, you know, a lot of kind of the, the plugins are super awesome functionality for the community to use. And the starters are in many ways, like more personalized, right? A lot of folks have yeah. created their own um, blogs and portfolio sites and then um, sort of open source the starter that they used uh, to do that. Um, one of my favorites is by a, a developer um, named Brittany Chang, who sort of, uh, you can kind of go to uh, go to her, her homepage, but it's just a, it's a, it's sort of like a beautiful piece of functionality. And then she kind of open sourced the, um, the, the code behind that to kind of show others like, Hey, like, how do you create this kind of cool UI experience that I, you know, created, you know, and, and in addition, people will kind of like open, like create starters as almost like packs of um, different uh, plugins. So it's like, Hey, like I want to use like these five plugins that kind of play well together. Let me kind of create a starter with like these different um, pieces. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of have circled around the content mesh. We've, we've kind of said all the great things uh, about content mesh and why it works so well. Um, I, I think the, the other piece to look at is like why Wix and some of those other site or not Wix, some, some of the uh, site builders that are so easy um, to utilize is the reason that like a marketer or just a small business can jump in um, feet first and and they can go to town just setting up a page and getting it just right. And they don't have to think about like, mm-hmm. is this going to build and, you know, all of these steps that it takes. So yeah. can you talk a minute about like the vision there for, for Gatsby and how to address that going forward? Like us as developers, we love it, right? How do you get the mom and pop shops that can't afford a thousand dollar developer like into Gatsby and going? Oh, totally. I, I, you know, I think that's one of the big pieces of democratizing the web, right? You want to not just create these awesome technologies, but make them accessible really for anyone, especially folks who are, 
you know, who, who don't, um, you know, know how to code and, and like who are just in, who are interested in creating a distinctive experience for, for themselves. Uh, right now, um, we're watching that you know, we're, we're watching that space with interest. We're watching um, folks build on top of us. Uh, so one kind of interesting, um, uh, one interesting uh, sort of thing to highlight in, in there is a, is a company called Fisherman um, and they're out of, um, they're out of Boston. Um, and what they've basically done is they've made a, a restaurant website platform. And so you have to basically just put in about five pieces of information like, Hey, here's my, you know, here's my restaurant mm. uh, name. Here's the location. Here's the location. Um, and then like kind of do some, you can do a very like two or three different customizations, um, but they made it kind of even easier um, than like a Wix or a Squarespace because they were specifically targeting um, restaurants and they made it sort of super easy to then to also offer um uh, to offer uh, like uh, online ordering as well, which is a big kind of like draw for for um, restaurants, especially kind of like as as you know COVID hit, and um, and folks wanted to do that more and more. And they're actually built on top of um, their their websites are actually all built on top of Gatsby. So they 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 have a oh, cool. platform that sort of auto generates a, a Gatsby website, you know, based on the kind of different configuration pieces that. Um, uh, that people put in, um, and, and we're like we're super excited, sort of watching what they're doing. We hope there are you know like five or ten or fifteen more different types of um, you know companies doing this, building like you know super easy to use tools for specific um, for specific needs on top of Gatsby. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I mean, we we are actually um, doing a similar thing, but it's for LMSs, and oh, that's awesome. Uh, I find and it's funny because I keep hearing the term like uh, university builder or something like that. And sure. I want to, our, our code's fully open source, but I want to take it to that next level. So it's kind of an interesting concept to see something like this working so well. Um, I feel like there's kind of that solution in WordPress that people can go to for somewhat of an LMS. And as, as you know, as COVID hit and as we continue to grow and, and move towards online learning, I, I think it's, a huge part that we need to get into um, something, something that kind of what that brings back for me is the data piece to this. Right. So when we're building this out, I had this thought, like I'm good at Firebase, so we'll start there. And then, mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm part of AWS community builders as well. So maybe we should talk about, you know, using Amplify and AWS and Dynamo and those things. Uh -huh. and it's, it's this other part of this solution that, yeah, you can pick the best breed, but it's also difficult picking the best one. So yeah. uh, I don't know how people like tend to go about that today. And, and our difficult part is we, we actually headed down the road of creating two different sites, one with an admin mm -hmm. side and one with a, a front end side. Uh -huh. Like, and this is great, but like some of the MDX and the tailwind oh. pieces, uh, Brittany goes, this doesn't make sense. We have to like combine this. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like we pivoted and started to switch over, sure. but now I'm having second thoughts on, on the data side to it. And oh. I know early on uh, Gatsby kind of made a, a, a decision and um, I think it's a great one for Gatsby, but everything is, is GraphQL based essentially. Right. Oh. So, the reason you have some of these plugins and things is because it needs to take those data structures and deliver them in a way that has um, 
GraphQL essentially so you can consume it. Was that a very specific moment in time for Gatsby that that decision was made? And what did that look like? Yeah. So, um, the, so I think to, to speak kind of to that, um, to that specifically, um, one of the key challenges when you're, you know, as you're kind of like, as you're kind of experiencing when you're building a website or, you know, any type of application is that when you're trying to integrate third party services, it can be tough to kind of wrangle them because you're like, oh, like, let me figure out this API, right? Um, uh, how, you know, how does, how does the put endpoint work? How does the get endpoint work? Do, do I get a list? Can I paginate my list? How do I do filters? Like all these kinds of things you have to figure out. And then like, you know, they're, they're different for each API. And then, so like you're going back and you're like, then you're like changing, maybe you're trying to change your API fetching code, you know, and then three months down the line and you're like, how did the API work again? Like I, I forget. Yeah. Um, we're going through all that right now. <laughs> Right. And so, so like the, the kind of the, this was, we, we, we bet on GraphQL kind of big early on, um, you know, like the Cal started, you know, building it in back in 2016. Right. And, and then sort of shipped it in, in early 2017. Um, and, and so the, the, the kind of the take was like, look, like don't wrangle all those other APIs. We'll pull that data in um, to our system for you. And then you can just use a sort of uniform way, a standard way of querying that data, which is GraphQL. Um, and, and so, you know, folks, you know, folks found that sort of, you know, su- super exciting. There's also folks that like GraphQL is kind of like, yeah, I like I know that it's supposed to be great, but like I just kind of personally find it confusing. Um, yeah. so, so we also have the ability, you know, you can use you can use fetch calls, uh, you know, as well, right? Like there's we actually have a docs page um, using Gatsby without GraphQL that talks oh. a little bit about this. Um, but you know, most of the sort of examples and stuff are are using GraphQL. Um, and, and what we find kind of is that like it people are excited not to have to think about sort of individually integrating with a bunch of services. They're excited not to sort of like figure, figure sort of like wrangling individual APIs out. Um, and then also there's kind of like performance advantages because if you only kind of, you can grab only the data you need for a particular page rather than kind of parsing, you know, this huge sort of thing, you know, list of objects, or maybe you only need like one field from each object. Um, <laughs> You, you can you can have some significant performance benefits there. Yeah, I mean, those are all the things that we're we're going through right now uh, using Firestore and and kind of realizing like you know some kind of relational schema is gone because it's a doc based schema and pagination is always a fun thing to get through. But I yeah. think I think for me when I was first learning Gatsby, the the biggest challenge was I was learning React, GraphQL, and mm-hmm the Gatsby product as a whole. And so it got very confusing for me to like, you go through a doc and you like see a plugin and you're like, why am I calling GraphQL there? And then in the page I have GraphQL again, like I don't understand this. And so it kind of took, took me a while at least. I don't know if it's taking others a while to like put together the fact like, Oh, you're just passing it, like passing the data in and kind of consuming it in a GraphQL way. And one of the things we heard was that, you know, Hey, GraphQL, like it seems pretty powerful, but like, for me, it's confusing, and, and so some of the things that we've done recently have been to kind of make it so that you have you don't have to use it for like specific cases. So, for example, um, the rooting, um, we, we launched a file system based rooting um, feature um, a few a few months ago, um, and then the new static image means you don't need to use uh, GraphQL um, to to generate images, uh, and so like those are kind of two of the biggest um, kind of two of the biggest. Uh, 
things that we were like, well, we, we sort of heard folks being, there's got to be sort of a simpler way to, um, way to do this. Um, I think that like in general, that's something we're looking into more is, you know, how do we encourage, how do we, how do we encourage folks to have like a kind of a, a smooth on-ramp mm-hmm. that can be like, you know, that can be sort of like, Hey, like, let's just walk you step-by-step how to make a GraphQL query as well as like, you know, kind of like an easier escape hatch to not using GraphQL. Yeah, for sure. I think that story with combining some other things, like just pre-baked, you know, Brittany's talked about starters and like being able to say, okay, like I, I love I love Cloudinary. I'm an MD in Cloudinary, but being able to bake in the fact like, hey, here's a whole solution that already has that pre-built just off an API key, having the GraphQL pieces explained better, like all of that just makes that whole experience a ton better. Um, you, you said something which which piqued my interest again. Uh, you, you said something about performance. I I feel like we're running out of time on this pod and I wanted to keep it on, on uh, content mesh focused. Can I have you back on on the pod again to talk all about the performance side of this? Of course, of course. Sweet. So with that said, and that promise from Sam, everyone just heard it. Uh, He's coming back, folks, for a performance podcast. We're going to jump into perfect picks. So Sam's pick is actually up first, and he has a sweet book. Uh, Let me get it right. Here we go. What's, What's this book all about? Yeah, so this is called "How the Internet Happened," um, and it's a um, it, it's a really cool history of all the d- different sort of individual component pieces of the web that we kind of are used to today. So it takes it, uh, you know, it takes us, it takes you through, and t- it, like I, I was reading it a couple um, a couple months ago, and I was like. I love sort of like seeing it unfold from like Mosaic to Netscape to Yahoo to eBay, uh, you know, to, to Google, right. To the iPhone. Um, it's in that, that's kind of where it ends. So 1993 to about 2007, you see the emergence of a lot of these sort of, uh, UX paradigms we take for granted. Like in the eBay chapter, they talk about how, um, one of their like customer service reps invented the idea of like rating, uh, particular product and then surfacing that that rating um you know or sorry sur- surfacing sort of user reviews of like you know this person has sold 50 items and they you know their average rating is like four and a half stars um it's like well you know we, we're just totally used to that today but like it's amazing yeah. how that stuff got invented yeah awesome. yeah that's a pretty sweet book i'll have to pick that one up it's uh, i believe Brittany wants to go after me in perfect picks. yeah <laughs> Um, so I'm going to jump out, uh, Gatsby kind of related. I love the shopping cart, um, setup for this. Um, I've, I've been trying to pull somebody in from Snipcart. So if you know anybody, prod them, let's see if we can get them on. But, um, I had a quick chat with their CEO. They're just slammed right now with everything going on. So I'm going to keep bugging him to see if we can pull him in. But we do have a couple Snipcart experts coming on, um, probably in April, May timeframe onto the podcast. Um, and the the plugin for this is absolutely amazing. And if you haven't used Snipcart yet, definitely check it out. Um, here's the Snipcart homepage. It's really easy to log into, um, set up all your products, and and get that integrated into a Gatsby site. Super easy, um, in my opinion. So check that plugin out for sure. Um, my second pick, which I always try to do one technical and one not so much. I, I've been running a lot lately and trying to uh, get some recovery back into me. These macadamia nuts, I buy probably too many too many pounds of them, but uh, 
uh, I, I go through these probably once a month and uh, great snack. Uh, check it out. I, I don't know if everyone's in macadamia nuts like I am. I'd but- like to try those. I like pistachios, but I, I should try macadamia nuts. It's funny you say that because that's what I always order is one of these and one pistachio. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would probably like them. Pick is next. So yeah, I'm I'm playing off, and I've picked this before, but I'm playing off yours a little bit because you did the Snipcart route, and I know Snipcart has that three percent fee that we've talked about before. Yeah. So Use Shopping Cart is developed by Nick De Jesus, and it actually does what Snipcart does for you with Stripe, and it will allow you to have a shopping cart that persists through the app. But what they are doing now is they're actually pulling React out of it, so we don't need React anymore more with it and they're doing it with just redux and you could serve up just an html page with redux and it will connect to stripe and put everything in there for you so you don't need react anymore but um the other page that you just had up there the kiko ramen site is a working gatsby example so i mean you could add to the cart there you can go to the cart and see the beautiful site wow oh thank you (laughs) yeah so and Everything is just stored in there and it's using you shopping cart. And then if you hit checkout, it goes over to Stripe. Oh, that's so cool. All of this is kind of visual. Sorry. But um, yeah, everything with you shopping cart. And so right now it is just React, but they are working on a solution and it's it's working. So I'm hoping they're implementing it soon where it's going to be using Redux. So we're going to sell some AJ socks and stuff using this, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Nick's made some really high quality stuff. Um, Nick is awesome. He's, he's great. Um, and just uh, you know, a couple a couple of my own maybe or a couple of Gatsby kind of plugs at the end. Um, you know, if you haven't already upgraded to Gatsby v3, you know it's out now. And also like you know, try Gatsby uh, cloud hosting. Um, it's um, it's super cool. The builds are super fast. Deploys are super fast. Um, nice. Check it out. Move your you know move your site over um, and, uh, and and look at and look at that. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I'm- We're actually about to do a kind of a side project for somebody, and I think I'm leading leaning that way. So it'll be exciting to check out the full platform. Yeah, it's it's great. Very cool. Well, thanks, Sam. I really appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to that performance podcast we'll do soon. Let's looking yeah. forward to it as well. Thank you for joining us. Take care. Thank you for having me. It's great meeting both of you. You too. Yeah. Bye bye.